What's up, True Heel Heat? True Heel Heat. What's up? Hello, hello, hello. It is me. It is me, your True Hill Phenom SP3. We are live, but not on the right brand for our WWE Survivor Series War Games Roundtable Review. Here to discuss the show, the premium live event from WWE from last night. I am here with my esteemed colleague. You see him on Rated Raw Superstars, all the watch along, including last night. The true jaw, Josh. Yeah, don't mind me. I'm still trying to wake up. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's totally fine. You had a long night. You went through two war games matches. You're you're an Iron Man, sir. You're an Iron Man. <laughs> went through both of those 40-minute matches. Uh, and we have with a special guest. You've seen him on True Hill Heat Sports. You've seen him here on the channel during a bunch of our watch-alongs. Special guest with us, Justin. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today, sir? This Sunday morning. I feel like I just went through both war games matches. Jesus. It, it, the, you know, those those matches become become long when it's not formatted right and you have a bunch of complaints, but it was a good show from WWE. So, of course, we want to hear from all of you in the live chat, all of you joining us. Thank you for joining us. If you're joining us live, watching us on demand, remember to drop the thumbs up on the video. Share this video with all your wrestling fans, friends, and family on all your favorite social media platforms. If you are new to the True Hill Heat YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. Hit the bell to stay notified for all the great content here. And, of course... If you're watching us on Facebook, hit the like button, hit the heart button, hit the laugh emoji, angry emoji. However, don't worry, don't worry. I, I botched to open the show. We, we got more botches to come. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but remember to you know show some love on Facebook as well as Twitter and sound off in the live chat. We want to hear your thoughts on Survivor Series War Games. Of course, if you want your... Uh, chat read out on screen or highlighted you have a question for myself josh or justin please send no super chat donations if you're feeling generous it's thanksgiving weekend or, or that money's gonna hit the contributors here in the later half christmas day christmas week so we're gonna be feeling very broke around that time so show your appreciation for what we do here like vala b who sends a super chat donation says i Thought I'd have to stop calling y'all my dogs, but seems like I gotta lay it in harder now, my dogs. Yes, my dogs, Sammy Zayn. You, you saw him in the title here, so don't worry, don't worry. We're gonna talk all about Sammy Zayn, the drama with the bloodline. Uh, we got Nikki Boy with us in the chat saying, Sup, gang. Vala B saying hi to everyone as well. Uh, we got Jack. Joseph with it, fifth generation, saying hope everyone's good this morning. And Volabi calling out Justin for getting us a copyright claim. Don't worry. Don't worry. We could clip that out. We'll Apologize. Apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. As always, to start the review, I want to ask you guys kind of one word to describe your feelings on WWE Survivor Series War Games. So what would that be for you, Justin? Usi. Very, very Usi. That sounds fair. That sounds fair. How about you, Josh? Uh, passable. 
I love the. I love that. I feel we're gonna have two, three different opinions <laughs> on this show based on that answer. For me, <laughs> it, would, it would be um, questions. Questions. Mm. I have questions. I have questions following Survivor Series War Games, but keep sounding off in the live chat if you're watching us on demand. Let us know what you thought about Survivor Series War Games as we talk all about the show. And I, I think I think it's it's fair that we do what we did last week, Josh. You know, we talked about the the main event to start the show. I think it's fair that we do that again this week and we start with the second of two war games matches on the night the men's war games but it was kind of a, a night-long narrative thread that led up to the men's war games prior to the main event matchup we saw backstage a couple of segments we saw jay uso approaching roman reigns to let him know what went down last night on on smackdown the night prior uh with Sami Zayn talking to Kevin Owens backstage and Jay Uso overhearing it and then Sami lying to him. So Roman decided to tell Paul Heyman that he needs to go he needs to get him Sami. Get him Sami. So Sami Zayn the honorary Uso came to see Roman Reigns. They had a discussion where Roman questioned him if he talked to uh Kevin Owens last night on SmackDown and Sami Zayn told him the truth that he did. And then he asked him why did he lie to Jay Uso and he said that Jay had the big advantage match and he you know Jay is irrational and he wouldn't have understood that so he didn't want to distract him and he was like what did Kevin Owens say to him and Sami admitted that Kevin Owens said that he he needs to turn on the bloodline before the bloodline turns on him. So uh, Roman asked him, what is he going to do? And he says that he is loyal to the bloodline. They accepted him as family. And tonight he's going to prove himself. And Roman decides that he's going to believe Sammy and gives him a hug, but then has this stern, evil look on his face at the end. And then we had another segment with Jay and Roman, where Roman says that he looked Sammy in the eyes and he learned everything he needed to know very cryptic and it led into the men's war games main event as the bloodline the undisputed wwe universal champion roman reigns Sami Zayn, solo sokoa and the undisputed tag team champions jay and jimmy uso with paul Heyman versus team brawling brutes uh kevin owens drew mcintyre sheamus rich holland and butch i love this picture here because if you zoom in on sammy the, the 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 look of the look of conflict and the look of nervousness on his face this match started with butch and jay uso in the ring they had a nice little sequence before of course the baby faces had the advantage with Ridge Holland coming in next. They beat the crap out of Jay Uso. I did like the Butch and Jay Uso portion of this with Butch working over the right hand of the right hand man, Jay Uso, which is the injured wrist of Jay Uso. And then when it was the Bloodlines turn to even the the odds in War Games, it looked like Jimmy Uso was going to come out and assist his twin brother, but Roman Reigns stopped him and said told Sammy to go. And Sammy got a huge Sammy Uso chant. He went slowly into the ring and then got in there. Him and Jay, of course, had their conflict, had their issues throughout this entire this entire match. 
arguing throughout with uh and but at various times sammy saving jay from various attacks from the baby faces all the while the the big dog the the, the tribal chief was standing it was sitting court in his cage I, I, this was a great sight wonderful sight roman reigns sitting in the cage was a great touch mcintyre was in next uh then came jimmy uso then came solo sokoa solo sokoa looked really good in this one looked very strong during his portion when he ran wild on the brutes then came kevin owens uh we got a nice little sequence between owens and sokoa sokoa then had a nice little stare down with drew mcintyre as well sheamus came in next and then finally roman reigns to complete the men's war games as it begun action broke down at one point jay uso looked for a super kick on butch but he moved out the way and he wound up hitting sammy Zayn. jimmy uso questioning on why he did that or you know the accidental quote-unquote uh super kick all the competitors uh go down there's tables broken big moves back and forth and it leads to our big crescendo as kevin owens looks like he has roman reigns beat once again hits the center has roman reigns pinned the referee counts one two and sammy Zayn stops the referee from counting three leading to a big reaction from the fans uh owens and, and Zayn stare down at each other before owens yells at him the crowd loudly chants sammy uso owens uh blocks a jimmy uh jimmy uso super kick and then sammy Zayn delivers the killing blow the low blow to his best friend, Kevin Owens. Zanes then looks at uh Reigns and he gets he gets the uh the sign of approval or the orders to lay down the final hit. He hits the Aluva kick on Kevin Owens in a callback to Battlegrounds 2016. Owens falls on his chest, but instead of delivering another Aluva kick, uh, um Zane lays Owens down. For Jay Uso to hit the splash, they meet eyes, and Sami Zayn delivers it to the right hand man to hit the big splash. And Jay Uso pins Kevin Owens one, two, three. The Bloodline win the men's war games match. Sami Zayn reinforces his loyalty to the Bloodline, and then the post match I felt was even better. Then the crescendo and the finish to this matchup as Roman Reigns puts his arms out. He gives a hug to Sami Zayn. And then the even better touch, Jay Uso hugs Sami Zayn. Now Sami has been officially uh, accepted and approved by the entire bloodline. Not just Roman, not just Jimmy, not just Solo, but also Jay Uso. And the bloodline stood tall to end the night. Great match. I, I thought it was a great match. I gave it four and a quarter stars uh, just for the storytelling, honestly, at the end. Uh, I enjoyed the matchup. Now my nitpick here. Mm. What the fuck did these baby faces get out of this damn match? Please tell me somebody. Please sound off in the live chat, Josh. Justin, please tell me what these goddamn baby faces got out of here because they had the advantage. None of them got pops when they caught out of the shark cage. All the bloodline did. They got no pops, but they're the baby faces. Tell me how that works. Drew McIntyre felt so hot going into Clash of the Castle. He loses there to Solo. Then comes in this and basically is a non-factor. Has no big moments in this matchup. 
Sheamus felt hot as hell coming out the Gunther match against Clash of the Castle. And in the buildup to this, looked like he was going to be positioned to be the next challenger for Roman Reigns. He basically did nothing but a big five-way, uh, you know, uh, beats of the Bowery with everybody else in the team. That's it. That's the only memorable moment he had in the damn match. Kevin Owens had all the memorable moments, but it's still the story of him and Sami Zayn and the connection to the bloodline and eventually building up to the Usos versus Owens and Zayn. So he didn't really get much out of this either. Like he almost had Roman beat. So maybe you can go with that type of story there, but uh, the real story is Sammy and and Sammy eventually realizing that Kevin Owens is a real friend over the bloodline. It's not really Owens and Reigns. No one's going to believe Owens has a chance of winning that anyway. So the baby's faces has got shit nothing out of this matchup. The heels look like the baby faces. Sammy Zayn looks like the biggest face. But like I said, great match. Justin, what was your thought? This was the story about Sami Zayn. Everything in this pay-per-view built towards Sami Zayn and the bloodline. Will he, won't he? Is he going to turn on the bloodline? Is he going to join Kevin Owens? Is he going to turn on Kevin Owens and beat up his best, his so-called best friend and whatnot? So everything was leading into this match. I love the fact that when it came time for the bloodline to add someone, Roman was like, no, 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 you ain't going in. You, you go. You sit your ass down. And then Sami just had to look like, uh... I'm not going to tell him no, but at the same time, I'm like, uh, okay, which was cool. And then it's just the story of just Sammy and Jay. This was literally like a Hallmark movie. This was like Oscar-winning performance by Sammy Zayn because he is, like you said, the biggest face and the biggest winner in this entire match. The Bloodline, they are what they are. We love the Bloodline. We love to acknowledge our tribal chief. But everything, this is all about Sammy. Now, as far as the babyface team, Kevin Owens was the one that came out the biggest winner on that because he looked like a badass, as we know. He had Roman dead to rights and then Sammy interfering on that three count. So eventually we can go back to Kevin Owens and um, Roman Reigns, which is going to bang. It's going to be it's going to go hard. But at the same time, Sammy finally got accepted by Jey Uso. We've been waiting months for this, you know, as a wise philosopher said, long term booking. We finally here. And man, what a payoff. Great match. Josh, what was your thoughts on the match? Um, um, I gave it like three and a half stars for me, just because, like you said, uh, a lot of baby faces, they really didn't do anything, you know? Like, Sheamus needed the momentum to being Roman's next challenger. I don't remember what he did in the match, besides the what you just said. Um... I mean, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a great main event. You know, I, it's kind of what I expected. Um, but the storytelling was way better than probably uh, some of the other matches of the night. So that's what made it. That's what actually made it passable for me. Like that's what made it the match uh, good because of that. Because of the story they were telling. Um, I was fine with the ending of the match. I was fine with it just because um, it prolongs. The storyline between Sammy and all of them, instead of like having the division of them not seeing eye to eye for months and then just to you know blow it off like that, I I don't know. I wasn't really feeling that that was gonna happen. So I'm actually glad that it kind of, kind of came full circle this time, where Sammy pretty much showed like his worth to the bloodline, and you know Jimmy finally getting over that hump of trusting Sammy. So 
overall, I thought the ending was great. Yeah, like I said, I think the ending puts everything off the top, but uh, I, I just, I think it's it, it really my my biggest issues outside of like the baby faces. I, I gave it four and a quarter stars. Like I said, great match, great performance by Sami Zayn. He's definitely like the the guy that gained the most out of this matchup. But the match went thirty eight minutes, and I literally didn't need to pay attention to twenty eight minutes. Because the match didn't, nothing about the match mattered until Roman Reigns got into the match, until war games actually happened. And, you know, with the women's match, I think the, the positives there is that there was a lot of big moments and a lot of big spots because they were trying to do that for the highlight reel for next year's war games in that match. So at least that kept it entertaining for the portion before war games actually begun. But nothing about the anything that happened outside of Roman telling telling uh, Jimmy to stay in and Sammy go in and the little conflict between Sammy and Jay, nothing around them really mattered. It was about Sammy and Jay for the early portion. And then the latter portion, you know, it succeeded. It led to a big crescendo, but I want, I want my action. I like the, I felt like there was more athleticism and I maybe my mistake of watching the first ever war games and the 1992 war games before I watched this show they had way more athleticism 35 years ago than in this match. Like I'm saying, like nothing in this match really mattered. And I mean, it was all about Sammy's performance. It's all about dude, Sammy Zane. If one person, I, I used to remember, like I watched that 1992 one. Austin looked good. Rick Rue looked good. There was multiple people in that match. And that's the team that lost. Talk about the Sting squadron. You know, you had the moment with Nikita Koloff and uh, Sting. Like, there was all these big moments, and a lot of people got something out of it. Like, I feel like Sami Zayn got a lot out of this, but not much else. He's the biggest babyface on this, and he's on the heel faction. Yeah, I actually kind of felt that way, the same way for both matches last night. So, I just yeah. felt like... I just, I just feel like, I don't know, when it comes to the, the to the aspect of war games, to try to do it... Now, you know, there's just something that's missing. That's how I felt like about both matches. It, there's something missing um, compared to, like you said, like all those years ago, or even the most recent, the ones where they started with NXT. Those were pretty, those were pretty watchable to watch. But to do something like that now, I mean, it's um, especially when you're tr when you're trying to, you know, when you're all about protocols and safety. It's a little weird to me. Yeah. And I and I don't. I'm very confused on you know. Of course, you got the the, the biggest question for me, which is Frantic World's question here. So why did the baby faces win on SmackDown? LOL. It's like yeah, because it didn't really matter in the long run. And the way to fix that would have been simple. And I got to shout out Pete Quinnell over at Russell Talk because he suggested it. It was Sami Zayn starts the match. That's what you should have really done there is that Sami Zayn is the baby face. So he has the disadvantage. And if you, if in the end, Sammy's going to be the guy who gets over the most, I think he should have started this matchup. Honestly. That's and then you could have done, done the whole moment and just have Jimmy's about to come out. And you say, Jay, you go out. It's still the same thing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It works either way. You know, yeah, it works either way. You know, it's funny. That's why I kind of figured that the blood I was going to win because of the result from SmackDown. So it was like, it, it really didn't matter to me. I was like, I already do, but I was going to win because they're not, they weren't going to take two L's like that. They were going to, that, that, that was just not going to happen at all. Mm -hmm. 
especially with Roman involved. So, I mean, for 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 me, I already knew that was gonna happen. I think if you would have done it backwards, Bloodline wins. You know, that would have given an advantage for the baby faces to to win. You know, and that would have built on something. But this kind of just feels like, all right, we're we're gonna blow everything off. Besides the Kevin Owens thing, kind of doesn't really even matter at this point with these two teams going at each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got we got the the answer that I kept getting when I asked why the baby faces won on SmackDown. So Roman could come out last, and then that didn't even matter because the people that said that said, "Oh, Roman could come out last, and he could just come in and destroy everybody." No, they had to do the big stare down with all the five guys. So you didn't even get that. So what was the point? What was the reason? We we don't know. I know the reason is because uh, Roman Reigns is part time. You know, if you actually see, if you if you look at the cage, he was the only one sitting down. He had a chair. You know, he was you know, he was gonna try to work. He was gonna try to do all that stuff. So I mean, I mean, that's what happens. You a tribal chief. You know. <laughs> He said the direct deposit hit, so I'm just gonna sit my ass in this chair and chill out. Him and stare at me. Yes, my tribal chief. He's like, yeah. He's like, uh, how much longer we got? Uh, I'll sit in here for a little bit. Uh, Willow. He came in 28 minutes at the 28 minute mark, y'all. He only had to work 10 minutes of this 38 minute match. <laughs> Yo, Roman. Work smarter, Roman, not harder. Yeah. Roman is getting Roman. Roman deserves MVP for that alone. Like me reading that stat, it's smart. It's smart. I was saying it yesterday. I was it like, is. "Yo, it's smart." I was like, "Yo, he's he's reserving his energy, yo." I was like, "He coming in last. He don't got to work. He don't he don't got to do what 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 Pete done and and uh and Jay had to do. Yeah, Jay. You know, he just got to work what ten minutes. I was like, "All right, cool, easy easy check." Bucket. He learned from Brock Lesnar because Brock Lesnar is the master of like, you're going to get five, maybe 10 minutes. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Did the direct deposit hit? Okay, then we'll wrestle. And then I'm hopping on my gen and getting the F out of here. Yo, Roman Reigns, man, he's teaching He's teaching game to everybody, yo. You got to love it. You got to mm-hmm. love it. He sat down in a chair for 28 minutes, then got up 10 minutes with 10 minutes left and just did a couple of punches. Took a couple of moves, and now he's off for the rest of the year, y'all. We ain't seeing him wrestle again until the Royal Rumble. He's a franchise player. You got to protect the franchise. Let everyone else do all that spots and dilly-dallies and stuff like that. I am your tribal chief. You you need me for Rumble. Y'all go ahead and do all this flippity-bitty stuff. Absolutely. I love it. I love Roman Reigns for that. This is great. (laughs) How can you not Uh, love him right now? Yeah. Yeah, so a good question here from uh, Frantic World. He says, so was AEW Blood and Guts better than WWE War Games this year? Josh? Yes. Justin? Yes, although it cost Santana his knee. (laughs) (laughs) That was kind of on Santana, just because the way he... I mean, that was a freak accident. No, no, it was. What I'm saying, but like in comparison, at least, you know, that's what happened compared to like somebody getting hurt because of the match itself. See, that's, that's where for WWE is hard because it's like you're a PG publicly traded company that's very geared towards like, you know, families and kids. How can you really go all out like a traditional war games with that, you know, totaling that line of like, we want to go all out for war games, but at the same time, we got to keep it to a certain yeah. extent well, because, big. you know, we got kids yeah. watching this. 
Yeah, but that's also that's been their overall issue because when you do like these, you know, these non-sanctioned matches and stuff like that, it's kind of the same thing. Remember like that match with uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, that match that freaking just dragged and dragged? That should have mm-hmm. been similar. That should have been a violent match, and we kind of really didn't get that. You get a bunch of weapons, right? You see like a lot of stuff used like that, but we really don't get that violent side that you kind of need for these kind of grudge matches. Yeah, like none of the action we saw in this match is anything that we wouldn't see in a no DQ match or that we didn't see at Extreme Rules two months ago. Like we we see it so often that we're desensitized. And I think that the the real draw of WWE War Games is that it's a it's a bigger cage and someone's gonna do a move off of it. And yeah. you know, and that's why that's why I honestly I want to say action-wise, in-ring work-wise, I thought the women's war games was better than the men's war games because at least it gave me the stuff I expect from a WWE war games. I, I And I wa- I can watch the entire match. I can watch it over. With, with the men's war games, I'm not going to honestly watch the first 28 minutes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. There I mean, wasn't yeah. much to it. It I wasn't mean, much to it. I mean, you were a better man than me because I, I'm not watching either match again. That's, it de- that's it depends on who the guys are in there. Like I think back to like Undisputed Era versus Team Champa, and then Kevin Owens coming out. Then that was a really good one that like kept that was, my attention from start to finish. Yeah, that that was definitely up there. Um, but I, I'll be honest, if we're just comparing this year, like Frantic World's axing here, I would say AEW's blood and guts this year. You have to go back to like. 87, the first war games, 1992, Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance, 91 with the Horsemen versus uh, Sting's crew and stuff. Other than that, I don't think there's any other war games that stand up to this year's Blood and Guts. This year's Blood and Guts is one of the best war games they ever did. Like, it had big moments. You have memorable moments that still stand out, like Eddie Kingston coming in the cage, hitting everybody with a stick. Santana's injury, uh, Moxley pulling out all his deathmatch weapons. The that Sammy Guevara getting sent to Jesus, getting sent to Jesus. Uh, uh, cool hand being hung outside the cage, bloody, and then the finish with with Claudio stealing the win from Eddie. That's all. All of those moments were in the this year's men's war games. Sammy Zayn at the end with Kevin Owens. That's it. That's all I have to tell you. Just watch that. No, <laughs> I don't have. I don't have all those moments across a. That was like a that was even a longer matchup too. So I, I mm-hmm. guess they deserve credit for that. And that was on TV. That had a lot going against it. <laughs> longer matches. Yeah, yeah that's what tells you, and that kind of tells you a lot. Kind of tells you. <laughs> and and it had the added the added obstacle of they did anarchy in the arena a month earlier, and it was like a lot of people were questioning. It was like, how is this going to be any different or any better than anarchy in the arena? And it was just as good as anarchy in the arena. So. Like, yeah, I, I think it's apples to oranges because the, the WWE War Games, they put a lot of restrictions on the performers. I think if mm-hmm. they didn't have as many stri- restrictions as they do at WWE and they can have more of that old school feel War Games that this year's Blood and Guts has, I think that we would be saying that WWE's War Games is better. Yeah, that's true. Because because the top of that cage. Not only that, but then you know, and that's what that's the that's kind of I don't want to say frustrating part, but they're capable of doing that. It's just that I, you know, on a business aspect, I understand what they're doing. But I was like, if you're doing a match like this, you know, that, and that's it's kind of similar to how I feel about Elimination Chamber, 
where Elimination Chamber now doesn't feel like it's it's a dangerous match. It doesn't feel yeah. like you're in danger anymore. And that's what kind of kills it for me. It just feels like they're having a match inside this cool structure. It's just the sight of seeing the structure. Yeah, the, that's it. This that's is another good, good question of Ash and Ash. Uh, the first Blood and Guts versus the first War Games, which is better? The first War Games, by far. You don't have the, the whole stuff with Chris Jericho falling through paper bags. Like, in the first War Games, <laughs> by far. If we're talking about 87, if you're talking about the first WWE War Games, then, then I'll have to maybe watch those over because I, I remember it. It was good, but it wasn't great, and it had that feeling I, of, this isn't yeah. the same. Yeah, so like the only reason, the only what I remember from the first War Games match, I think it was, uh, I know Killian Dane kind of like took over the show. I know he kind of stole the show. Yeah, there was a bunch mm -hmm. of weapons being used. I know this dude got cut open, but he got cut open by mistake. Um, damn, what was his name? Uh, somebody got cut open. Mm -hmm. I remember he got busted open, but that was because of uh because of an accident not because oh he played himself and there's blood you know part of the thing but um yeah it, I, same thing i had to watch the match to really say i remember the ending too i remember the ending how that match ended which um i mean it was a basic finish to me um i don't know i'll have to watch it if that's what and they're asking about the NXT one, but yeah, the first one you're talking about the very first one, yeah. That I mean, you can't really top that. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's difficult. Is I would have to watch those back to really answer that question. There, Dolores with a good comment here saying, "I'm beginning to think uh, WWE is changing from being very PG because Becky and others can freely curse now. I think one show should be more mature, so SmackDown can." Uh, PG, but Raw be more mature. I think so. Yeah, they should do that because Raw is on cable and SmackDown's on, you know, national television. So they can't they can't do the stuff that they can do on Raw. But Raw used to be like that, more mature. So I think it should go back to that. Agreed. And Becky's on there, so it, it helps for that. Uh, Ash for Nash with another good point here. Yeah, it's 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 facts here. Women's war games is for the spots. Men's war games is for the bloodline storyline. If you like storytelling, you're gonna like the men's war games more. If you like the spots, you're gonna like the women's war games more. And I agree with this from uh, Daryl Brown saying Black and Gold versus 2.0 is a top five uh, war games match. It's up there, definitely. I think that out of the WWE war games, that one and 2019 with uh, Owens, Ciampa, Di Dijakovic, and Lee versus Undisputed Era is the best two WWE uh, war yeah. games. I can't really say just because I don't remember the Black and Gold one. I don't remember it. Well, black and the black and gold versus 2.0 was last year. It was Gargano, Ciampa. Like, I remember who was in the match, but I just, I don't remember the match at all. Like, so yeah, I can't really, I, I, I can't really say. Only <laughs> because of Johnny, Gar Johnny Gargano's performance. That was, that yeah, was that my was like thing. His, uh, that was like his, uh, what do you call that? His swan song. So he, you know, took a couple of months off and then comes back to WWE. And now he's in the storyline with Miz. That's kind of boring now, but, you know. Yeah, that's what I remember from that. We got uh, Nikki Boy said, "Yeah, no one is even allowed to bleed. They were at a disadvantage from the start, one hundred percent. And mm -hmm. also a disadvantage is uh, Frantic World's point. I like that WCW and AEW have the rooftop. That adds a different feel to it, and you get the you get the spot of throwing someone off the cage, which I'm always here for." 
it makes a huge difference because it feels like an actual word games without the top. It feels like a steel cage match with different rules, which and I kind of me out of it. Yeah, no, but you know, I'm a little surprised because remember when Triple H wanted to bring the concept back? Um, I know Vince was kind of adamant about that. He was like, he didn't want the top. Uh, Triple H wanted the top. So I thought he would have added it since, you know, he's in creative, but I'm guessing they probably just, he probably was just like, nah, it's okay. Just because, you know, the, um, AEW is already doing the click, the close part. So maybe that's why he's just not going back to it. And they already done a few matches of it without it. So that's my guess. But I know Triple H was a big part of wanting the top. He wanted it back. So it's a little weird that he didn't go back. Yeah. And we would be remiss after our whole conversation debating about war games to not focus a little bit more on Sami Zayn and Jay Uso and the Bloodline storyline. Justin, you you know you you're very excited about the the ending, but where do you think this story goes next? Like what do, what are we in store for on the road to Royal Rumble now that WWE has two months before their next major event? That's a very good question because like. Everything was leading towards Sammy's got to make a choice between Kevin Owens and the bloodline. And at some point, this was going to look like Sami Zayn cost the bloodline in some way, shape, or form. And then they just obliterate him. And then you turn Sammy face. And then that could lead into Rumble and stuff like that. So with the bloodline, especially Jay Uso fully embracing him, that's going to be your story is does Jay really embrace him? Or was that like a one time moment and see how that plays out and affects Royal Rumble? Because Roman's going to have to either defend that title or get in the Rumble, and so is the rest of the bloodline. How is that going to play out during a Rumble match? That is true. That is true. What about you, Josh? Where do you think uh, the bloodline story heads to next? Um, my guess is that they're going to they're gonna drag it. And um, eventually, I don't know, some shape or form, I really do feel like it's probably going to be KO versus Sam. I mean, and Sammy versus the Usos at WrestleMania for the titles. And I hope they don't go away from that. I know a lot of this story, they have been kind of uh, shifting and reshaping as it goes along, as it gets more over. And it is very over. It's the best thing going on and not just WWE. I would say it's the best storyline in wrestling because it's so mm -hmm. captivating, has so many layers for each of the characters. Each of character in the stable is gaining more from that and they feel like an overpowering stable. And although I rooted against them, I went for, you know, uh, brawling brutes on the predictions and everything. I think that the bloodline winning here was the, the right move because this is the first men's war games. You want the stable that you're trying to build up to stand tall at the end of it. So I get that they did the same thing with undisputed era winning the first war games in 2017. It makes sense that they did it here with the bloodline and it has a lot of different uh, layers coming out of it. I think that we shouldn't see any friction or dissension for a couple of weeks. I think, I think there needs to be a moment that re-brings that out in Jey Uso. Or we may go the route where they just change it up completely and we have Roman turn on Jay. There's so many different ways that they can go with this, and that's what makes the story so captivating to watch. Uh, we got 
in the live chat here. Keep those comments coming in the live chat. Uh, we might as well mention it because I see the comment here. Ashvin Ash uh, asking Josh, did any of y'all see the press conference? Paul Heyman referenced the bloodline breaking character and it made it part of the storyline. Uh, what did you think about the press conference last night? Like who 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 gives a shit, shit about that part? Like, because <laughs> you know what it is, man. Like what what I was saying yesterday, right? I knew when I heard that during the, when they were doing the press conference, I knew it was gonna be all bullshit because they it's too controlled. It's you you can't control a an environment where you know when you're dealing with a bunch of reporters and somebody might ask like the big question. Yesterday there was no big questions. Yesterday, like, if you hear all the questions that were being asked, it was all crap. Like, even the one that everyone made a big deal out of, it was the woman who asked the question. Her question sucked, too. I know people were trying to give her props, like, oh, it was a great question. No, it wasn't. The question sucked. It was boring. Like, like, like where's the hard-hitting question, guys? Like, where was, oh, is there any update on Sasha Banks? Or um, have you guys reached out to CM Punk, right? Those are questions I would like to hear, right? Even if you're gonna get a bullshit answer, but those are the that's the kind of environment that you're in when you're asking those questions. So when you control this bullshit and you act and you hear all the stupid fucking questions, it's like, what's the point of all of this? It was a waste of time. And it's just, you know, right? When you don't have fightful or wrestling observer, what does that tell you about that? What does that tell you about that kind of shit? Yeah, that's what that's what I saw from a lot of people. There was like the, the bigger the bigger names weren't there, and it was more the people that are like WWE or analysts or journalists that, yeah. that are WWE are pro more pro WWE. Exactly. I would, I would, yeah. Well, just I would, I would have said Justin Barrazzo is kind of more widespread, but he he he's been on WWE programming before. So. Yeah. Somebody did say that yesterday. I remember I forgot. I think it was Big Mike who said it. And that's what Mike was like for him. It kind of killed it. Because he's like, wait a minute. He does like this shit for WWE. He's like, oh, he's like. So it was kind of like the writings were already on the wall. And especially like even the performers who were talking, it just didn't feel it, it didn't feel um organic for me. You know, like at least with New Japan, when New Japan does it, it feels real. Like those guys are talking and it feels real. They're not talking about like story. Like they're talking about real shit. Same thing with AEW, where AEW, they kind of mix it, kayfabe a little bit, but more reality. Like they're talking about like real questions, real stuff. Like if there's a new signing, oh, what made you come to, to AEW? Like they talk about the process of that or something like that. Or like, you know, Tony Khan, you know. Talk and answering questions, certain questions, you know, maybe not all them people not might want to know, but you know, he's doing stuff like that at least. So like yesterday was just, I don't know. And they're gonna do something like that. This is something they're gonna continue. They're gonna have to find a way to um really, you know, they have to let their guard down a little bit. Find the right balance for it. Uh, Justin, I'll ask you this question: Is AEW Media Scrum better than WWE press conference? Yeah, because, I mean, Josh puts a great perspective where with WWE, there's only so much you're going to get from it. Like, I personally like these press conferences because it's different. It's something that WWE's never really done. So, And it, you know, you may not get, like, the big hit of hitters like Fightful or, like, Wrestling Observer, but you do get other outlets that 
don't get that shot from time to time to get to ask these questions and have yeah. that interact that one-on-one interactions and stuff like that. So I do like it and it does serve purpose if there's something we can gain out of it. Like I still got to go back and watch because at that point the drinks were flowing last night on my end. So there's a lot of that press conference that I missed, but that's the media scrum. I also feel the same way where it's like, yeah. we really don't, don't waste your time on it. Don't waste your time on the one from last night. Don't waste your time. That's all now, I got to say. The media scrum from All Out when all hell broke loose. That's why it was such a shock because it's like we really don't gain anything of notoriety out of these press conferences. But then that media scrum was just like all hell broke loose and it's like everyone was just firing off. That's why it was such like a what the hell is happening because they don't just never happen. CM Punk's firing shots, Tony Storm's firing shots, Swerving Our Glory's firing shots. Tony's trying to keep it together and he's like losing his shit because he's like, um, so people are just firing off and fighting in the back. And everyone, and while this is all going on in this live, like, um, so as long as we're gaining something from this, I'm with it, especially, you know, like I said, like you got a, a lot of shine for people that don't, not these big outlets, you know, those wrestling girls got shine last night. Tan Cow yeah. got shine. Demon Diva got shine. And those yeah, are my exactly. people. So I'm, I'm repped it. But at the same time, it's like, if we gain something from it, I'm with it. Yeah. Uh, I'm all I'm all for it if we can actually gain something for it. And I all I want WWE. I'm a simple man. I do content. I want clips. At least AEW gives me clips. Gives me a bunch of clips to play on shows. You had you had MJF's promo from Full Gear. You had everything that went down at All Out. Tony Khan going crazy at that moment. I'm not gonna take this anymore. Which is one of my favorite clips ever. You've had uh, CM Punk and Tony Khan going crazy at at uh, Double or Nothing. It goes on and on. Like there's there's been there's been plenty of stuff. So just give me clips and I'll be fine. But I did like with the WWE people that I know and don't always get the shine. Got some love, you know. Steve Fall, who we've had here on the channel, got to ask a question to Becky Lynch, which was great to see. Uh, those wrestling girls, which you know, I've seen them all throughout. You know, the independent scene, going to shows on the East Coast for years. So I was happy to see them. I saw them in the chat as well. Happy that they got some shine. Uh, Isa from uh, from Wrestling Inc. getting that final question because Triple H was like, "You ain't gonna skip over the female and get all these guys." I love that was a great Triple H. Moment. That was great. That, that was a great. That was a great Triple H moment. Uh, you know, I, I agree that some She's of the questions front and center. You better let her ask a question. Yes, exactly. I I I appreciate you know Josh complained that there could have been harder hitting questions. Like like I agree. Like maybe somebody asking about Sasha Banks, especially because you're in Boston, might have been uh, something to ask there. And I was a similar way for a lot of the questions at Full Gear until Nick Ausman asked Tony Khan, "Oh, uh, why you didn't say anything when CM Punk went wild?" I was like, "Okay, there's a question I wanted to be asked," and they asked it there. So I will say they don't or they they need to get these press conferences where. At least we get one question that a lot of people been asking. Yeah, but then also, um, yeah, like you, um, when it comes to that. But my thing is too, right? Because when we were watching it yesterday, I was like, I wonder if they told everybody before going in, hey, you can't ask this, you can't ask that, and you know, and that's how that's how those questions came off to me because those questions weren't they were like super basic questions. Like I remember the one a guy asked about like the store about like um, something about like about a storyline and then he brought up like Roman Reigns, Carmelo Hayes and Cody Rhodes. Like that guy was all over the place with his question. And I was like, why was that even at? Like, why was that even a question? 
And it was like, what? Like, this is what we doing here? Like, it's not wasting my time, man. Like, yo, the chat, I'll tell you this much, though. The chat, the live chat was way better than the press conference. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, my God. That I was. I had it on not, the TV. I didn't have the chat up. Man, you think Twitter's toxic? Oh, my God. That chat, forget about it. <laughs> Dolores with a comment here says, but we have to admit AEW treat media better than WWE. Why waste your time to go get no real content and you have to spend your money to get nothing? Uh, I, I wouldn't say that because I, I would say I would say that for media, me personally speaking from my own personal experience, when I did media for WWE, I got a lot more because I was, you know, they do media kind of like whole interviews with a bunch yeah. of stars in a room, whereas the, the press conference, the, the media scrum itself is just the media scrum. Like a lot of I know a lot of people in wrestling media that would like AEW to do something like what WWE does when there's an event, a big event event do that little media thing where we get to interview a bunch of the guys one-on-one -on -one, not just the media scrum yeah like uh that's yeah like you said like that's usually the positive too like usually beforehand like you certain guy you know certain people get certain individual um interviews which that's fine i think you know you get more you know more content like that you know that that's the benefit of that it's just that because WD, they're not used to doing this something stuff like this but every time they do it it's always too controlled for me and that's why i'm like you know i i rather them just not do this like if this is what you're gonna do just don't do it um you know so it, it like i said if it, it like you know and if this is something that they're gonna continue you know like you said just have that one or two people who's gonna ask like the question that everyone wants to know like i don't think there's nothing bad and if Triple H wants to dance around the question, at least you have that to talk about. Like, oh, he really didn't answer the question. He did this, you know. Yeah. yeah. We, get that, we get that all the time with Tony Khan. He dodges questions left and right. He's a he's a he's a professional dodgeball player. But let's get back into the actual What <laughs> I got he's like, I was surprised already. I mean, I'm not gonna go that far. I don't think they copied them. Because WWE they're, have, they're, they're like, trying to be like UFC, honestly. Yeah, like they've they've tried. Yeah, I would say they they try to copy more UFC because UFC is similar to the bullshit that they try mm -hmm. to do with the press conference. Um, but I mean, I knew some people were gonna bring that up yesterday, and I was like, I don't think it's a copy because, like I said, they've done it. They've tried to do this before, and they've backed out from it. And now yeah. they're trying to do it Back again. in 2014, when after yeah. WrestleMania 30, they did the they did a press conference. So they yeah, and they tried to do it a few times even after that, even like yeah. the little pay-per-views. But yeah. it just it just it wasn't um it was nothing special that they didn't need to continue it. So they kind of they got away from it. So it was not. I don't want to. I don't want to use the whole all oh, they're copying AEW or this. No. No, I would technically if we want to go that far, we could easily say that AEW is copying New Japan if we really want to go that far. Yeah, yeah. We're being real AEW is copying New Japan. That's all I was like saying. That's all I was gonna say. Because New Japan does like the press conferences before like Wrestle Kingdom. They do the stuff after like the main events where you see them cutting their promos and stuff like that. Like New Japan's been doing this for a while, way before AEW, if we're gonna keep it the bug. Yeah, yeah so like, after every every show they do, everybody gets an interview and it gives them a lot of content for their YouTube channel. You could check out a bunch of those. One of my favorites being uh Jeff Cobb uh cutting a promo while he after he just got misted by the great Muda and he, his back is to the camera. Great stuff because he's blind. 
check it out. Mine, mine's is uh, Moxley and uh, Shooter when uh, I think uh, Yano beat uh, Moxley. And Moxley's just like, really? <laughs> I lost to him? Oh, I got a bunch Shooter, of great Shooter, You see that? It's like, yeah. <laughs> and obviously the Jay White fuck oh, so Jay, Jay White Jay White the greatest one of all time is Jay White after Wrestle Kingdom uh, 15 after he lost to Kota Ibushi that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's easy the best one that's the GOAT that's the, the best GOAT one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's talk about the other War Games matchup the women's War Games match open the show at WWE Survivor Series War Games we got our most people watching at this point so just a quick reminder drop the thumbs up on the video share it with your friends subscribe if you are new to the True Hill Heat YouTube channel and sound off in the live chat give us your thoughts on the women's War Games and the Survivor Series War Games entire show as well as super chat donations make sure you get highlighted if you're feeling a little generous this holiday season but let's talk about that women's War Games Be- team Bel Air the Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair Becky Lynch, Asuka, Alexa Bliss, and Mia Yim versus Rhea Ripley, Bailey, Nikki Cross, and the the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Dakota Kai and Io Sky. Uh, Belair and Kai started the matchup. I love the fact that uh, Dakota Kai, she's been in war games four times, and I believe almost all of those times she started off the match, like except for the time that she just turned on her best friend and left the match, basically. Uh, next out was Io Sky, so you had the two-on-one against the Raw Women's Champion. Next in was Asuka, so we had the great moment with Asuka and Io going at it. Asuka looked great, beating up both Dakota and EO in the early portion here. Nikki Cross came in. She brought in some weapons. The first one to bring in the weapons with kendo sticks, trash can lids. Uh, she also slammed a door on Asuka's head. The heels were in control until Alexa Bliss came in. She hit everyone, uh, hit everyone, you know, ran wild. Everyone was hitting each other with kendo sticks. When Nikki Cross uh, uh, climbed to the top of the case, sat up there laughing as everybody's getting hit with kendo sticks, including her tag her tag team partners here and then finally nikki cross hit a t- uh, diving cross body get it uh next out next out after that uh was bailey she came in pulling out a table from jump i will say i just want to put a little name pick here don't don't get me wrong i i told you i enjoyed this matchup but Having the heels bring out all the weapons got all the heels to pops instead of the baby faces. I just wanted to let WWE know that that maybe they shouldn't do that again. Uh, next in was uh, Mia Yim. Action broke down. Uh, everybody was going crazy, going wild when EO Sky hit a big dive off the steel cage, as it's become tradition with war games hitting. But this one was crazy because it just felt more dangerous because she got no air on this shit at, at all. She just went straight down onto Bianca and Mia Yim. Uh, Rhea Ripley came in, she ran wild, beating up uh, a lot of the other women, and then finally to complete the women's. War Games, Becky Lynch making her return, entered last about 27 minutes, actually almost near 28 minutes into this matchup. Lynch started going wild, hitting kicks on uh, Cross, Sky, and Dakota Kai. Then she stared down with Bailey, the woman responsible for her time or extra time away. That was uh, meant to get a big reaction, but it didn't really. The bigger reaction was actually for Becky and Rhea Ripley staring down as they have positioned Rhea Ripley as kind of the a bigger opposition to Becky. 
uh bailey got in the way and then ripley gave uh lynch a riptide for a two count asta then came through and sprayed the miss into uh ripley's face then lynch spiked her with a ddt but bailey got in the way before they could make a cover bailey hit the rose plant on on uh becky almost got the pin there but that pin was broken up then we got some uh, good moments with nikki cross in the other cage with uh, alexa bliss she would say i i didn't forget what you did and tried to handcuff her and then they did a whole big uh it looked like uh bliss was slipped her hand out of the cuff it seemed like and then oscar gave ripley a code breaker before ripley do drove her into the cage and then uh cross uh bliss hit a uh, electric chair on cross on a trash can lid then we got bianca throwing uh dakota kai into the cage with a gorilla press action broke down we got the great callback to SummerSlam with becky and bianca staring down with damage control rhea ripley and meeching going at it in the other ring with a big dive through the uh, the ladder bridge bianca and becky started running wild on damage control hitting kod's and the manhandle slam and then finally they stacked eo sky and Dakota Kai on a table. Becky went to the top of the cage and hit a big leg drop, landing on both women as Bianca Belair hit a KOD on Bailey into the cage to give Tim Belair the victory. Becky Lynch getting the final pinfall on Dakota Kai and EO Sky, basically pinning the women's tag team champions. Becky Lynch looking strong, Team Belair looking strong, and standing tall to win war games here. I give this opener four stars. I thought it was a fun way to kick off the show. It escalated in a big way. It had a bunch of little moments that added up and brought to a big crescendo at the end. I thought the match was really good once everybody got in here. And it had a bunch of the moments that you would expect in the early portion to make it worth watching, unlike the men's war games. But like I said, I thought the storytelling was stronger with the men's. That's why I rated it higher. But... The women's war games definitely delivered in the spots. Josh, what did you think? Uh, I don't know. For me, I gave it a three and a quarter. Uh, it felt kind of boring to me. I'm just gonna be honest. It, it uh, I don't know. It really didn't do nothing for me. Um, the only thing that's telling, I mean, again, damage control. The fuck they're doing with though? <laughs> they got double pinned. Like, <laughs> that's what I was saying. Like, it's like your tag team champions, your women's tag team champions got double pinned in the match like <laughs> by one person not even by two people by mm -hmm. one person the whole second if you think about it right that whole last sequence right baby gets taken out and they get both of them get put through a table and i'm like what's gonna like what, what's the point of this table now like i mean i haven't i haven't cared about them for weeks <laughs> um this could have been a match i maybe kind of could have you know rejuvenated them and kind of just did the opposite kind of just like all right uh kind of see where this is going now what did you think justin i actually enjoyed this match it was like you said it was fun everyone got their stuff in death taxes eel does moonsaults off uh war games and and cages and stuff like that bianca looked amazing like i was watching this with uh my peoples and um, his wife was just like who is that and I'm explaining Bianca, and like her eyes are just glued, and also to Becky, which happens to be like the two people that came out of this match the best. Yeah. Um, Josh brings up a great point, which is what do you do with damage control? Because now this is like L after L after L. Bailey can't get over the hump with Bianca, Eon Dakota taking pins left and right. They're your tag team champions. 
what are we doing with them with the tag team titles and stuff like that? So moving forward, especially going into the Rumble season, like, what are we really doing with that? Like, I would love them to be like more sadistic, more like we're just going to start beating everyone's ass because we're tired of losing and we're just going to start taking it out on people left and right. I honestly uh, think it's about to be damage control alt delete. I uh, it's the it's time to cut bait. Like I I honestly I'm not I'm not as outraged as I was after Dream Rolls and after yeah. Crown Jewel. Even though I I once again foolishly foolishly thought damage control was gonna win because I thought because I, I thought because I thought I was like Rhea Ripley's there. You got someone else to put over instead of damage control, so they can at least get something out of this damn feud. Because for weeks, when I was getting outraged over the result of the ladder match, after I get outraged over the result of Crown Jewel, you know what all these fans told me? Oh, don't worry, damage control is gonna win war games. My first question was, well, what does War Games gain you? Doesn't really win you anything. Doesn't make up for losing so many times for a Raw Women's Championship and then the nonsense booking for the women's tag team titles and then just not caring about this this stable and establishing them with wins. At this point, they should change their name from Damage Controller, C-T-R-L, to Damage L because that's all they take. And that sounds more accurate for what they are. They are just one big fat L. Bailey's a loser. Dakota Kai and Io Sky, your women's head team champions, got stacked and pinned. They're losers. Jesus Christ. There's nothing looking forward to this for them. Like, we get to look forward to Bailey and Becky finally feuding, but Becky's going to win that. Becky's going to mm-hmm. win that feud. Don't matter. I have no faith. I will not pick Bailey against Becky Lynch. I don't care what WWE does. The power of Bianca and, and Becky compels you, man. You can't pick against them. This is ridiculous. Uh, Chris, <laughs> and, uh, it says, I like the women's war games, except for the ending of Damage Control losing. Again. Damage Control is great. Damage L. That's all it is. They take that's L's, which damage their careers. That's all <laughs> it <Entendre. laughs> is. Damage. That's all they L at the L at the L, and all it causes is fucking damage. Oh. <laughs> and he says, This is what I've been waiting for. SB3's rant on how damage control has been treated. Uh, gonna preach to us on this Sunday afternoon. Yes, I am here to preach on the mountaintop of damage control but like i said i'm not as angry as i was at the last two pay-per-views because i just felt you fool me once you know shame on me fool me twice shame on you 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 won't fool me again but he did it he fooled me again because i was convinced by all of you who tried to tell me oh no it's okay it's okay you know bianca gets to be the longest reigning african-american woman ever gets to look like black female john cena it's all good it's all good it's all good you know did bailey be fine bailey be fine oh bailey's in this stage of her career where she cares more about the tag team titles and cares more about others she wants to put others and give back what the fuck do i care about that though (laughs) i want to see people that i actually care about that aren't fucking losers you're building you're building Mustafa Ali as a fucking loser you're building damage control as damage fucking L oh capital L damage L L L that's it that's the four letters 
<laughs> the trio uh, of L's. Trio of L's. Shit. Curvin says another loss for damage control. Thanks, Triple H, for not caring about damage control. Uh, Curvin also says I compare damage control to 3MB. Oh, oh my damn. god. Damn. Damn. I don't blame you either. You're not wrong, sir. You're not wrong. I, I mean, if we're like, gonna do an accurate comp comparison, I compare him to uh the Miz and when he had the Misarage. You have Bailey, I, I, and then you have the Misarage. That's what it feels like right now. I compare it to Nexus. I've been comparing it to Nexus because you had the big debut that everybody was excited for what this group could offer, and then they lost to this John Cena-like figure, and it just it just kept hurting them over and over and over and over and over again. At least Wade Barry got to beat John Cena once. <laughs> Like, I haven't even seen Bailey beat Bianca in any form except for a, a six-man tag that at this memory feels like it was years ago. Years ago mm. now. And it was in September. Oh, God. Uh, we <laughs> Dylan says, what happened to with uh, Judgment Day and the OC? We're about to get into that, actually. And Curvin with a great comment says, Damage Control needs to join Mustafa Ali. Yeah, Ali needs to join Damage Control. Just put all the losers in one group. Oh, shit. I mean, Chris, Chris says, <laughs> Bailey, Bailey is not a loser. I mean, I, I, I don't think she's a loser. I'm just going by what they are presenting to me, Chris. I'm sorry. I like Bailey. She's That's lost. why I'm upset. She's lost. Uh, uh, she's lost uh, to Bianca twice for the title. So it was like, mm -hmm. and then in War Games, and then not in War Games. Three, three matches. That's three L's. I mean, that's pretty. That sounds like a loser to me. Three straight premium live events, and God bless you, Chris. You're a, you're a loyal Bailey fan. If you think she's gonna win the Royal Rumble next year, <laughs> God bless you. I mean, there's no clear cut person who's gonna win the women's this year. So Chris may not be far off. I think it, I think it's very clear after last I night. Think, it's either Becky or Rhea. I think uh, I, I think um, Logan Paul has a better chance winning the Roy men's Royal Rumble match than Bailey does have the women. Mm. I, I think it's very clear how they positioned everybody that it's either going to be Rhea Ripley if they want to heal uh, to verse Bianca, or it's going to be Becky Lynch and, and she's going to verse probably verse Ronda Rousey. So Becky's going to be the first to ever win it twice for the women. She said it at the press conference too. She's like, she, her goal is to be the first woman to win two Royal Rumbles. Mm. Right now, I would say that's your favorites going to Rumble. Yeah, the but only it's dark Rumble, it's, really... it's Rumble. All bets are off because you never know if maybe we get yeah. a Naomi. Maybe Naomi comes back. Maybe she ain't winning no Royal Rumble. She ain't winning no Royal Rumble. That's what I said. That's why I was gonna say the dark horses are two people returning, and it's not Naomi. Naomi, I don't matter what if she comes back or not. She's not gonna win the Royal Rumble. The two dark horses is Charlotte and Sasha. That would be mm. the two dark horses. But as far as people that are here currently. The two favorites, yeah. Are and with with, with Sasha, I think the writing is on the wall that she's probably not coming back. Like, that's <laughs> so <laughs> that tells you something that she's more of a dark than Naomi. That kind of tells you all you need to know about Naomi. <laughs> I, I don't think she's coming back soon. I don't think Sasha's coming back soon. But I would say if she did come back, she would uh, would be a favorite to win the Royal Rumble. But I've always said if she's coming back, Rumble, because you're going to do it on a big four pay-per-view when the, the most eyes are on the product. 
everyone watches Royal Rumble, even casuals. You're selling out this big ass stadium in San Antonio. Why would you have her come back before that? Especially where she's made it clear, like I'm not wrestling the rest of 2022. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there. Uh, but let's move on to our next match on the card here. It was AJ Styles going one-on-one -on -one with Finn Balor. Finn Balor comes out with another creepy uh, BDSM mask, uh, <laughs> unmasking before he got to the ring. He came out with Dominic Mysterio and Damian Priest, while AJ Styles came out with Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson with a cool mask, uh, another tribute to their past in New Japan Pro Wrestling. AJ used to wear a lot of these different masks back then. And what we got here, uh, I love Michael Cole on commentary. Michael Cole was the MVP of this match for me because he spoke about Styles' time in Japan, as well as the history between the two men. He also talked about uh, Finn Balor being a six-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion and versus Kushida and Corey Graves even remarked you love when Twitter is nice to you. And I just told Corey, stop being salty because you suck. Um, but then <laughs> we got into the matchup. Uh, we, they went about seven minutes with, uh, it seemed like Finn tweaked his knee, but he was dominating much of the early portion of this matchup. A distraction by Priest allowed Dominic to trip Styles on the apron. So Gallows and Anderson went after Dominic. Uh, Priest jumped in, jumped in and they brawled through the crowd. Styles made sure to get a shot in on Dominic before they scrambled out of there. Both men then had a one-on-one -on -one contest finally between these two men instead of their two factions. And we got two of the best workers going out there and having a good wrestling match here. Uh, it was AJ going after the knee while Balor worked on worked over his ribs, setting up for the coup de gras. But in the end, after exchange of moves by the turnbuckle, Styles finally got the win by hitting the phenomenal forearm to get the one, two, three. AJ Styles defeating Finn Balor and standing tall or over him, the two Bullet Club members here. I thought this was a good match. I gave it three and a half half stars um definitely not at the same level as they had five years ago at tlc and i'm not sure why i it just doesn't seem like to me i'm gonna be honest here not this not a nitpick on the show it's not a nitpick on the match it's just an observation and this is something that was pointed out to me by stephanie hype so sh shout out to her she said she doesn't care about anything aj styles and i had to really look on aj styles because he's one of my all-time favorites but he really hasn't had a great match in like three four years outside of the boneyard match and outside a, a match with Brian Danielson in an empty arena, but that's Brian Danielson. So, like, other than a couple of great matches here and there, the latter match with Jeff Hardy and Sami Zayn in 2020 was great as well. But here and there, it's not the consistent greatness that we're used to with AJ Styles. And then when you have a match here, they got enough time to deliver a great match, and it was just good. What did you think, Justin? I mean, it was, it was like you said, it was a good match. Um, to AJ, you gotta remember, AJ is also up there in age too. At some point, that does catch up with you, where you have all these injuries, you take all these bombs. It's not gonna hit the same way as far as like your speed, your athleticism, and stuff like that. He has had some great matches, but it's been more here and there than like if you go back in 2016, where he came in and was just like had a stretch between uh, Extreme Rules all the way to the end of the year to the Rumble. With Cena, where he it was just great match after great match after great match. He hasn't had that. Stretch. And then, 
Remember, he had like a low point during like the Kevin Owens U.S. title feud, and then it picked back up again to the point he was having so many great matches, and he came through for them at TLC. They had to put the title back on him. They put the WWE mm-hmm. title back on him to end the Jinder Mahal reign of terror. So he even was putting on great matches 2017 into 2018. His title run was so-so in that regard. But yeah, like I said, like you said, though, it was like 2016, 2017, where we got consistent greatness from AJ Styles. Yeah, it's just like wear and tear, you know, you can't outrun Father Time. And it's like, that could be a reason why we're just not seeing that high quality from AJ, where it's like, you know... Finn is giving us stuff though. So again, this, uh, was, did, this was really good. What did you think, Josh? <clears throat> yeah, I think it was like three and a half. I don't think it was better than the uh, match that they had uh, five years ago. But um, well, I mean, when it comes to styles, um, I think there's a there's a bunch of factors. One, you know, he's forty five years old. Um, two. Uh, he's getting so much money that he necessarily doesn't need to try anymore. And I think that's more the factor of, you know, if he's going out there and he's putting on a passable match, I think he's fine with that. I think he's content with that. Um, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that personally because, you know, he does have a family. You know, he has four kids. So he doesn't want to put his body on the line that much anymore being that age. So I think there's a number of factors which personally I don't think it's wrong, you know, but at the same time, I think I think if anybody's expecting 2000, like you said, 2016 AJ or anybody's expecting New Japan AJ, those days are gone. So I think people just need to be more acceptive of what they're probably going to get from here on out from AJ until he retires with his last uh, contract. And then notwithstanding, like I said, it was a well-worked matchup, yeah. but I just mm-hmm. wanted a little I wanted a little bit more, especially considering I didn't even think this match should have happened at this pay-per-view. I thought they should have done OC versus Judgment Day. Uh, we got Chris here who says AJ Styles' first pay-per-view win since 2019, his first pay-per-view win since Crown Damn. Jewel 2019, first singles win on pay-per-view. He's won tag team matches with Omos, but his first singles win on a premium live event since Crown Jewels 2019. And that was in a different country. country. When he versus Humberto Grillo. Tells you how far back. When they were treating Humberto as a single star. Exactly. Uh, We got got Kervin who just says, it's a simple father time call AJ Styles. Yep. Like AJ, line one. Who's this? Father time. Chill. <laughs> oh, we got Bala B. It says, AJ cares, but honestly, he just wants to wind down. This isn't, it ain't that AJ does the spinal, the spiral tap. Well, yeah, yeah, which, which I'm not saying, which, which I'm not saying he doesn't care. It's just that he's in a, he's in a situation where he doesn't necessarily need to be what he used to be. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I think in a way, I think he, knows that i think he holds back from that that's part of the caringness too that he knows he has to he has to take care of himself so i don't think like i said it's not really a bad thing i'm not saying he doesn't care um but either way it's not it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing overall the wwe fans are coming after you they're right outside your building uh josh um <laughs> yeah go ahead i'll fight them i'll, I'll, them, I'll give them his work 
How dare you talk about AJ Styles like this? They called the police on you, man. I'll be uh, like, you know, remember like Stone Cold? Remember that? That remember? I forgot what was it? That big brawl that happened. Stone Cold just started beating up everybody in the ring. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be me with all them WWE fans outside. Uh, we got Valor B also says maybe he has a few great matches left in him where he gets to be that guy. It, it could happen. We shall see. Uh, next, they had uh, Ozzy Osbourne told the WWE Universe to buy his album. Ozzy was also featured in the montage to open the show. I, I did like Ozzy uh, being there, and Triple H was asked about it. He just asked him to be a part of it. And there was plans beforehand for Ozzy Osbourne to perform at Survivor Series, but Triple H said it didn't work out, and he didn't feel like it was the right time. So, interesting. He's still making music? Damn. Yep. I mean that, but I'm pretty sure Triple H wasn't willing to pay six figures just for him to lip sing on that stage because I know damn well he wasn't not gonna sing. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, we had uh, um, the next match, the SmackDown Women's Championship was up for grabs as it was Ronda Rousey defending against Shotzi during Shotzi's entrance. Uh, Cole said that Raquel Rodriguez wouldn't be at ringside thanks to her broken elbow from SmackDown, which will keep her out of action for four to six weeks. Shotzi pointed to the sky during her entrance, and Cole noted that uh, she was dedicating the match to her father who recently passed away. What we got here was Ronda Rousey pretty much dominating the early portion of this. Uh, Shotzi eventually made a comeback, hitting some a uh, couple of big moves. He had uh, insecurity at one point. Then eventually they fought to the outside. Shayna Baszler got involved at various points at this, at nauseum, it seemed like, at certain points. Uh, yeah. And eventually Shotzi took her out as well as Ronda in a row of planted fans uh in the front row with a dive off the guardrail to lay everybody out back in the ring Shotzi tried to capitalize but Ronda hit a judo throw off the top rope to take her down then she hit Piper's pit and then applied the arm bar to get the tap out victory to retain the Smackdown Women's Championship this was bah it was it was there uh, I gave it one and three quarter stars that's the nicest I'm going to be to this match. This was definitely the dud of the night. What did you think, Justin? You know that Bart Simpson gif? At least you tried with the cake, and then he puts the cake in the trash. At least they tried. They gave us effort. God bless them. They worked. But the crowd was chanting, we want Sasha. That basically tells you everything you need to know about this match. Yeah. They was like, they was like, if you're not going to give us a good match, you might as well give us what we want, and we want Sasha Banks. Uh, Josh, what did you think about this match? Um, meh, like, uh, I don't know really what to say much about this match. Um, the only thing is that, um, I mean, we saw like the typical botches from Shotzi. Um, what, what was that shit she was trying to do with the ropes? That move, I was like, what the fuck was that? I don't, I don't know. Bro, like, what the fuck was that? Like, I was, like, so confused. I was like, was that supposed to hurt her more or Ronda? Like, what the fuck was that? And then that fucking plant spot with the crowd, that was just, like, it was so corny because it was, like, so blatantly obvious. But then also, like, when it happened, right, there was, like, no security. Like, where's the security to help these fake fans? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it it didn't. That was the last thing waiting to happen. Yo, right? What happened? 
I was like, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. What are we no, doing? No, like, here? didn't even bother, like, to make it try to, like, look presentable. Like, but I do agree with, like, the Shayna thing. I thought the, I thought she was getting involved a little too much. I was like, this is kind of beneath Ronda. Why are yeah. we for Shotzi? I mean, no offense to Shotzi. You know, I love Shotzi, but, I mean, what, we, what we've gotten for her from the main roster so far, you don't need to make her look this good. You know what I mean? <laughs> so... That was like the little confusing part, but yeah, batches. We kind of knew this was gonna be the dead of the night. Um, fortunately, ended up being that. Um, yeah, that's all I already got to say. Yeah, like yeah. they they tried. It's just a matter of like Chelsea's not really over with the crowd yet. It's like you know, this is our first real big like. All right, kid, well, sink or swim. Well, here you go. No, but it's and not then, only that. It's just um, she's not – she hasn't been very good in the ring. I just got to admit that. Like, she's just – she's not good. <laughs> like, it's hard to say for me to say that because, you know, because I've, I've always been a big fan of her even since the independent scene. But it's like I'm not seeing the same person that I saw then. That's all. Like, you know, that's just what it is. I'm not seeing the same person. Yeah. And, and then Ronda's the flip side of that – yeah, yeah, I was gonna say on the flip side of that coin is Ronda Rousey, where like a lot of that novelty has worn off with Ronda, where she's very hit or miss depending on what city she's in. Either she's gonna get a great reaction or the crowd's gonna be just disinterested. This title run's really not it. It's basically I'm at a point with Ronda as a champion where it's like, all right, when is Sasha or Charlotte coming back? Even Naomi. Once we need someone to a few with Ronda and B get that belt off of her. Uh, I mean, honestly, I just there's nights I just forget that SmackDown has a women's champion. Also true. Uh, we got Kervin is it makes a great point. And I say the same thing. I take Ronda for four years ago over this Ronda 2022. Yeah, it doesn't have the same like Ronda felt like she was trying a lot more and a lot harder. She was working harder back yep. at, back in 2018 to prove herself. And she, I feel like she's just living off of her name in 2022, unfortunately. And y'all know I'm a fan of Ronda Rousey. I like her work. I enjoy the Ronda Shayna pairing, but as far as the matches on premium live event this year, it's been the, the WrestleMania backlash match against Charlotte. And then everything else has been bad. Yeah. It's been lackluster. It's been, a quick less than 10 minute match that you don't know what you're going to get. And you know, that's just what, what it's become at this point. I do like the pairing at this point. I kind of want them to go out to those tag team tiles and take it off of EO and Dakota. I have more faith in WWE giving them a dominant reign than damage control. That's for Which, sure. I mean, mm. when it comes to this, when they saying that she's trying, I was like, bro, how long are you gonna give how much how long are you gonna give somebody a pass to that saying like oh they're trying if they haven't been good at this point you gotta just tell it like it is and for some like I said for somebody who's been a big Shotzi fan she has not been good in the ring like that's just what it comes down to she hasn't been good in the ring like like <laughs> what you want me to lie about that like you know what I mean like she hasn't been good definitely not on the main roster I can't tell you a good or great Shotzi matchup on the main roster since she got called up a year and a half ago now. That's all. It's been a while now. Uh, mm. But 
let's move on to the next match, the final match we're going to be covering here, which was the WWE United States Championship triple threat match with Bobby Lashley, as well as Austin Theory. I don't know what this sign was in his entrance, uh, but hey. Uh, and of course, Seth Rollins defending the title here. The Boston crowd absolutely love them some Seth Rollins here. Uh, Lashley dominated early, but Theory prevented him from potentially winning by pulling the referee out of the ring, which was a callback to Lashley costing Theory the title on his cash-in. They fought outside the ring, and Theory dropped uh, Lashley with the steel steps. Theory then worked over Rollins in the ring, but Rollins eventually made a comeback back, hit some big uh, dives to the outside at one point, had the crowd on their feet with this sequence here. Bobby Lashley at one point showing off his power, getting a double hurt lock. The ending saw Steph basically had both men down and sprung off of Austin Theory with a curb stomp to Bobby Lashley. Then uh, Theory and Seth were going at it. Steph eventually went to the top rope with Theory, hit the superplex, and then looked for the Falcon Arrow, but Bobby Lashley came came in, hit the spear, and Theory fell on top of Rollins. One, two, three. Austin Theory has regained the WWE United States Championship. I thought this was a super fun match. Like I said, it had the Boston crowd on their feet and probably had the best in-ring action of any match on the night. I gave it four stars. Really exciting way to put the title back on Austin Theory and to complete this three-week rehab uh, for him. But what was the fucking point of him losing money in the bank then? If you just was going to put the title on him three weeks later. That's what I said. I said that shit last night. I was like, what the fuck? Does, what was the point of all that? Oh, it was to do the character change. You could have did the character change without giving him the worst money in the bank cash-in of all time. And at the very least, if he's going to fail, have him fail against Roman. Have him fail against fucking Roman and then do the character change. You idiots. What is <laughs> I swear to God, I feel like, I feel like this, this dude... Changed his name, his last name to McMahon when he married Stephanie with some of these bonehead decisions. He has layups and he goes back to half court and shoots half court shots. A lot of these times, the baby faces having the advantage in the men's war games. Fucking theory, the whole booking for theory, damage control, Liv Morgan's reign. Like, no one, and I feel like I'm going nuts because not enough people talk about this shit. Talk about this this bonehead fucking booking that his new man has done. I mean, I mean, I've been wanting to talk about it, and you know, I get the typical response of, "Oh, give Triple H time, you know, give him time." You saw that. You saw my post when I said it. Remember when I said it, and somebody, what was somebody's response? Give him. Oh, he's trying. Give him time. Like, bro, he's been fucking booking for the last three months already, right? And it's like, if Vince McMahon, every time he got shitted on, every time he made a dumb decision, I'm just giving the same energy back. He's been, Triple H has not been great. Like, all the shit, that, all the praise that he was getting, you know, that honeymoon stage is over for me. Like, he's been, he hasn't been great, especially the last few weeks. He has not been great with his booking. And this is kind of a prime example of it. Like, yeah, 
you give the title back to Theory, but then what the fuck was the point of him losing his money in the bank where this new attitude could have could have freaking benefited him actually having a briefcase because he would have been a more serious person that you could see, oh, he's going to cash in. I'm not saying he's going to win, but he could have held on to the briefcase for almost a year, and you know that would have been more presentable. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm I, I'm confused <laughs> by the booking. I think the booking has been very good over the last three weeks, mostly over the last three weeks for Austin Theory. I just didn't think the starting point should have yeah. started in that way to get us there. Yeah. Uh, but, but Justin, what did you think about the match and Theory winning in the end? The match was fantastic. I went into this pay-per-view thinking this was going to be the one that might steal the show, and it absolutely did. I was... From start to end, they had my attention. They had me just captivated. Theory winning, I was surprised. I didn't really expect it. I like theory winning, but then it, you guys said it perfectly. It was like, what the hell was the reason for the failed cash-in if this is the end game? You could at least, A, had him cash in on Roman and lose, and that's how you lose the briefcase, or B, win the title here, and he still has the briefcase. And that could be a storyline that plays into Rumble. Oh, yeah. Romeo said the same thing last night. He was like, yo, you still could have had him because the match itself, right? The match he lost it in, by the way, it was a fucking open challenge match. It was an open challenge match. And he yes. still could have won the title. Yes. He easily still could have won the title while having a briefcase. And even with that, he could have found a way to even talk more shit about it. He could have been more obnoxious. He could have been more arrogant, having both. And instead, you take the briefcase briefcase off of him you give him this title which is like i mean it is what it is like you know you like the new attitude but it's just the fact that it's like damn you just had a big missed opportunity to further his progression yeah and like if you i don't i just don't understand why they didn't have him just cash it and lose on roman that's that's what you do (laughs) or not don't don't even cash it on roman yet because you have this is the last pay-per-view for WWE's main roster until Royal Rumble. You have two full months of TV to fill. You could have easily yeah. did that with now that Theory is U.S. champion, maybe he has his sights on being a double champion. That would be a perfect time to have that briefcase. Will he, won't he cash in? And that's something you could play all the way into Rumble. But they took that off the board. I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it, and I and and I know the the usual excuse is, oh well, you know, Vince put the, the, the briefcase on Theory, so that wasn't really what Triple H does. So he took care of the briefcase because he didn't really want that. But no, he could have done it better. That's all we're saying. Like, like, yeah, exactly. Like like like, even if you don't want Theory with the briefcase, put him in a fucking match where he loses the briefcase. Put make yeah. this briefcase Bingo. on the line so he could lose it. That's a that's an easier way and put it on the guy you want to have it. Yeah, or, exactly. Or if he loses it, lose it to Roman. There's no there's no shame to losing to Roman. At least you tried it. You cashed in, right? You cashed in on the world champion, right? You lose to him. There's no shame to that. But to lose it in a to a mid card title, especially the way he lost to Seth, the way he lost, Seth kicked mm. out like five times. By the way, not only he got beat down by Lashley. He kicked out like five times just to just to win the match. Just for himself to win the match. It's just the way it was done. Yeah. Yeah. 
I do agree with this, Daryl, though. Uh, the cash-in was stupid, but I do believe Austin is better off with the briefcase. I do think he's better off without the briefcase. It's just the object of getting the briefcase off of him. There was multiple different ways to do it. And honestly, the reports that came out beforehand with the idea of Austin Theory holding on the briefcase until Money in the Bank next year and almost running out of time or having the option to run out of time sounded a whole lot more interesting than what we got. Honestly, they yep. should have used him as that kind of product because if you think about it, they haven't really done that yet with Money in yes. the Bank. They haven't done it. So I think he would have been the perfect example of trying to stretch that out because even so, like even with the Money in the Bank, I think lately they've been doing the quick cash-ins, which I'm not really a fan of because it's like, what's the whole point of trying to build that up, trying to build up the Money in the Bank if you're just going to use it less than a month, right? Month in. Especially with, especially with the women. Yeah, especially with the women. The women they did that the last two years. They did like less than a freaking less than two days, right? But it's like um, when when it comes to that, I thought they should have done that. I felt like that should have been like the project for Austin Theory. Like, all right, we'll give him the briefcase. Let's see how this goes for a year, like where he's supposed to cash it. Let's see how that goes. I thought he would have been at least perfect for that. Yeah. Yeah, especially with his failed cash-ins and everything. You could have come up with different ways for him to have failed cash-ins and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you had a guaranteed world title shot, and you used it on the mid-card title, and you lost. Like, that is just, like... On an open challenge. That's L after L, my dude. Like, you took L after L with your buddy in the bank cash-in. Like, that's the worst one in history because the L's on top of L's. The best, the best a, way I... Yeah, the best, rainbow full of L's. Yeah, the way I described it was that a team... I was like, oh, that Austin Theory basically cashed in on the wild card round and not the World Series. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That is that's basically what he did. Basically what he did. But that is all the matches we've reviewed from WWE Survivor Series War Games. So you know what time it is. We got to put our thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, thumbs down for the show. Match of the night, MVP, LVP, and out of 10, what did we give the show? You guys can sound out in the live chat. Last call for Super Chat donations. If you want to make sure your comment is read on screen, if you have a question or comment take about the show, this is the best chance to do it. But we got one more comment I want to feature here before we get to that. Skinny uh, Kravitz Nets saying they don't talk about it because it's the same BS they say Tony Khan allegedly does. Don't even get me started on Bray not having a match since he's been back. They make excuses for that too. I'm okay with Bray not having a match, but like I said, there's some particular things right now in the Triple H regime that he's not doing well or just could do it in a different way that would be more effective, and he's just not doing it. And I call out the same things for Tony Khan. I just want everyone to keep that same energy that we give to Tony Khan, to Triple H, to Triple H, Mm -hmm. to Tony Khan. Yeah, and which and even with 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 Tony Khan stumbles, they still put on a great show. They still put on solid shows every week. You know, Raw really hasn't been that watchable for me. And it's like you know, which which out of the gate, like I said, when he took over out of the gate, there were watchable Raw shows. There was actually two that were great. Since then, it's been like it's been downhill. Facts, but let's put. <laughs> Our thumbs in the middle here, guys, for WWE Survivor Series War Games in three, two, one. Thumbs up, 
thumbs up across the board from everyone here out of 10. What did you give the show, Justin? I'll give it a seven. Very solid. A lot of great things. Women's match was, eh. Wasn't a perfect show, but it was good. Seven. Seven out of 10 for Justin. What about you, Josh? I gave it like a six and a half. Uh, like I said, it was a passable show. That's why I said passable. Because, uh, I mean, it, like I said, it was a, it was a passable pay-per-view. It was a good overall show. Um, few solid matches. Um, compared to last year's Survivor Series, this was way better. Like, so, I mean, if that's the, if that's the thing that you're trying to, you know, pass over, that's easily why it's a passable show. <laughs> if that's the bar you're trying to eclipse, you, you could do it pretty easily, right? Yeah. So it was like, all right, you did, you did good. You did good. I, I'm going to be the high man here. I gave I gave the show seven and a half out of ten. I thought it was a really good show. I thought both the men's and women's war games delivered uh, good action. And, of course, they, the men's war games had one of the best finishes for WWE this year with the Sami Zayn stuff. Uh, the women's war games gave us plenty of great action throughout, some big spots and big moments there. So I enjoyed that and really enjoyed the United States Championship match. I don't know if I gave a rating. I gave that four stars but that was a really good matchup so much fun to watch Seth do his thing Bobby Lashley looked good and then Austin Theory of course getting the win and I thought AJ and uh, Balor was good Shotzi Rondo notwithstanding I thought that's a good show top to bottom seven and a half out of ten not the best WWE show of the year but definitely a good one yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, we got a couple of comments here with people giving their choices for MVP and LVP. Chris saying MVP, uh, Becky Lynch. Safet saying MVP, Sammy. LVP, Safet saying Shotzi versus Ronda and Damage Control. Justin, who is your MVP for the show? Sammy Zayn. The show was basically built around Sammy Zayn. What's he going to do with the bloodline? How is this going to happened with him and Kevin Owens and their interactions. The entire War Games match is built with that storyline, him having to work with Jay Uso, will they, won't they, stuff like that, and teases. The finish, Roman embracing Sammy at the end, Jay finally embracing Sammy. How, how is anyone else leaving this pay-per-view on a bigger high than Sammy Zayn right now? Josh, what about you? Uh, mine's I gave it to two people. I gave it to Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns. Uh, Sami Zayn because of the outcome, he benefited most from the outcome. And Roman Reigns played it smart, you know. Like I said, man, the man was sitting in the chair the whole time, he came out last, he only had to work 10 minutes. And the war games match, you know, people got to learn from him, you know, work smarter, not harder. Yeah, I go with I go with co MVPs this time, I go with Sami Zayn. Uh, Roman Reigns because he only worked 10 minutes, sat in a chair for 28 minutes. That's that's man, that's making the smirking smarter, not harder. And I like that. I, I agrees with that. <laughs> and uh Austin Theory for completing the three-week buildup that started like shit, but he looks he looks strong coming out of it. So gotta give him credit for that. LVP for the show, Josh. Uh last night I said Shotzi, but then I changed my mind. Uh, I'm gonna give it to damage control because I mean, like I said, the outcome does absolutely nothing for them. Uh, they got double pinned, so I mean, I, I mean, that's a bigger L than, than, than Shotzi, so I gotta go with, with damage control. 
Justin, what about you? Damage control, man. As a tag team, a collective, a record label, and a, and a mother effing crew. You know that Sheamus banger after banger after banger. You could do that with damage control. L after L after L. A whole series of L's. It's like, where do we really go from here? And these are your tag team champions. How is anyone else in the women's division like, yo, just pair up and just take these belts off of Dakota and Eel? They're extremely vulnerable and they can be beat. So what are we doing here with damage control long term? Facts. You ain't doing much with damage control here. Like you guys make the best argument. So I got to agree with y'all that, uh, yeah, damage control deserves to be LVP. I got co LVPs as well. I got damage control, all of the baby faces in the men's war games. Cause they got no pops. That was my biggest issue with that baby face advantage. Like if, <laughs> If the baby faces have the advantage and all of them get pops going to the ring, I would have said nothing. And I would have said I was wrong. I was wrong for freaking out about the baby faces having the advantage because all the baby faces got huge pops. Outside of Kevin Owens getting a slight pop because he was just as Dustin Rhodes. Did any of the baby faces get a pop when they came out? Nope. So, no. It is not the right thing to have the baby faces have the advantage in war games. Stop doing that. Oh, it's predictable when you do it the same way all the time. That's the first fucking time. What are we talking about? <laughs> Shit, y'all. Uh, we got a bunch of comments here with their LVP. So, yeah, mine is damage control. And uh, the baby faces in the men's war games, but also, yeah, Shotzi and Rhonda. Yeah, that was not good. Uh, Skinny says LVP to both teams with the advantage because they both took L's anyway, plus damage control for obvious reasons. And uh, Justin, I will ask you the final one match of the night. What was the match of the night? The triple threat for the United States title. It came in with high expectations, it delivered, and then some. Well done, boys. Josh, what about you? Um, the triple threat match. Um, I don't know they had high expectations, but they definitely had a certain expectation and it passed that. So um that was probably matching the night for me. As far as in-ring action, I would say that's the best match, but I'm here for everything and I love me some storytelling. So I'll <laughs> go with the men's war games. Yeah, so I mean you can't go either wrong with either either way. You can't go wrong with that. So Absolutely. Uh, Vicenzi says, uh, great as it is that Theory is more serious, badass guy, he at least could have kept doing the selfies. They were funny. Let's say selfie after he beat someone down. Nah, it, it was a it was a second match gimmick, Vicenzi. If they're going to build him as this rising heel that's going to rise his way up the ranks, then he, yeah, he has to be serious. And that's why I was like, this would have been a better situation if he was this character as money in the bank because he would have been taken seriously absolutely absolutely agree with you there uh but that brings us to a close on our wwe survivor series war games roundtable review want to thank you all for joining us live here if you're watching us on demand thank you as well justin thank you for stepping in in the last minute stepping in in the clutch joining us here making it a real round table let the people know where they can find you on social media sir can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at it's Justin Rich. You can find me on Twitch on Wednesday nights from seven to nine, talking on those wrestling girls fan club. We talk wrestling over there. 
from time to time you can catch me on twitter spaces talking turnbuckle talk on tuesdays with mimi and uh cory and them and from time to time you can see me on true heel heat sports talking nfl talking giants talking yankees all the sports i'm out here i'm active yes sir thank you so much for joining us for sure josh let the people know where they can follow you on social media and when you'll be back here on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. Uh, you can follow me at jampunk321, Twitter and Instagram, mostly Instagram. Uh, and I'll be back tomorrow for Raider Raw Superstars. And then Wednesday for Elite Heat, I'll be back on. Absolutely. And you can follow me on the Twitter machine at True Hill SP3. I'll be back here on the channel on Thursday, 105 p.m. Eastern Time with AE Ramble. Uh, you could uh, also follow Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, uh, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, if it's still around at True Hill Heat. Uh, you follow us over there. Follow us on all your favorite social media platforms. Like Justin said, subscribe over to True Hill Heat Sports. We'll be going live with our NFL weekly watch along coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So just a couple of minutes away, jump over there and subscribe. So you got to get all your notifications whenever we go live over there. And check out patreon.com forward slash True Hill Heat, $3 a month, the True Hill Heat Prediction Championship. Uh, extra exclusive content including my raw report reviewing raw each and every week is up over there so check it out patreon.com forward slash true hill heat well that brings us to a close want to thank everyone for joining us this is one of our best live uh review numbers for one of our round table reviews so we appreciate y'all for joining us remember to drop the thumbs up on the video share it with your friends subscribe if you are new to the true hill heat youtube channel daily exclusive content here on the YouTube channel. We'll be back tomorrow with at 8 p.m. Eastern time with Rated Raw Superstars watching Monday Night Raw, Tuesday, NX3, Wednesday, Elite Heat. So hit the bell to stay notified so you always get alerted whenever we go live and join us over at True Hill Heat Sports. And check out True Hill Heat 202 from yesterday with myself, Miss Chrissy Love, and Deidrean of House of Wrestling, as we talked about the week in wrestling and previewed Survivor Series. So go over and check that out. So for Justin, for Josh, it is me, it is me, your True Hill Phenom, SP3. This has been our WWE Survivor Series 40.